Okay, I'll charge on. We'll charge on anyway. Right. Okay, guys. So, um, we are launching out on a two-year strategy, stroke vision, stroke culture, stroke Microsoft, background noise. Um, and uh, we have been working on this as a leadership team. So this is uh, Jerry, Moira, Monica, um, Lynette, Patrick, Beth, and me. Um, for a year and a half, two years, about 18 months, I think. Okay, and we had really hoped that we'd get a chance to launch this during the pandemic at some point, but COVID-19 had other plans. Um, so we've delayed to this morning. Um, members of Chaos Deliver have had a chance to have a look at a lot of this. We, um, first of all, just really prayed and discussed at length um, what we felt God was calling us to in the next season. Um, we then took those ideas to, to the wider members uh, a number of months ago, got some input from them as well, went back to the drawing board, revised it, brought it back to the members again, and then now here we are sharing it this morning. Technology is letting us down. It's ironic that I'm the IT director at a local school whenever technology completely fails. That's why I like Apple. So I've got to tell James that that's a PC that let me down this morning. Okay. Um, so, uh, why are we doing this? Um, I think there's always a tension sometimes with churches um, around, okay, well, let's just follow God. We don't need a plan. Just follow the Holy Spirit. We'll just sort of, let's just meander along and just see where God takes us. Um, and then there's other churches which become very business focused and think, well, we've got to have our strategies in place and everything has to be written out. And um, there's this constant um, uh, pushback both ways. And as a church, you know, we want to make sure that the strategy we're sharing with you is, is not leading us. It's the Holy Spirit, it's God that's leading us. Yeah? So it's a tool that serves us as a church. Um, but at the same time, you know, the Bible is full of examples of where God gives his people a plan and direction and goals. And, and it's quite directed at what God's calling his people to. And if we don't aim at anything, we're going to hit nothing. Yeah? So um, this morning we're going to share these. And over, over the next uh, couple of years, you might revise them slightly, all these various things. We hold them really lightly. Um, but we really want to be a catalyst to, to challenge us, to encourage us, and to give us a real focus as a church so everything we do, we think, okay, well, this is what God is calling us to. Is this latest idea that we've come up with? Is that part of what we feel God's calling us to? Or is this another thing that we're trying to do? Because the danger of churches are on our side. And we're sort of, with COVID, we're sort of fluctuating around, but between 75 to 140 um, people and, and grown quite a bit before the pandemic. Okay, but the danger is something we get really busy and um, everyone burns out, leaders burn out. And um, we just tend to just sort of stick around that number and not really go anywhere. That is always the risk. And I'm really gutted that these slides. We have a chance, Jerry. Do you think they're going to? Do you think they're going to work? Maybe. Okay. Um, so here we go. Um, I think for me, I'm trying to think of some scriptures that we just really like to uh, start with this morning. And one that's so obvious but often is misquoted. Um, is, is, is uh, in Proverbs 29.18. You're welcome to, to turn to there to get the context. Um, and there's a couple of versions I want to share with you. I don't often re read the King James Version. I am a Christian, even though I don't do that. I know some people love it. Uh, but King James actually says this, which I thought was fascinating. It says in uh, chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or the NIV says it like this. Where, is, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. 
Now the context of that proverb is very much talking about children, parents of my children, and, and children um, following God, and uh, children being rebellious against God, and, and choosing to go their own direction. And there's a few different ways to sort of approach this. Uh, the first one I'll unpack is really from the NIV, where it says, where there is no revelation, people can't stop restraint. In essence, where we don't know where God is calling us to, yeah, the prophetic promises, the revelation from Scripture, we don't have direction in where we're going, okay? People, there's no restraint, there's rebellion, there's failure. You perish, in other words, like the King James Version. Okay, King James, where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay, now that's, I, I find that a fascinating one, but I want to say it with a caveat. Okay, I'm not taking it fully in the context of that particular proverb, but I'm going to unpack what vision is. That makes sense. I strongly, strongly believe with all my heart that having a vision for your life, for a church to have a vision, is critical, critical importance. Having an idea of where God is calling us to. Okay, and every church is unique. So the way that KIC the Bow is going to approach this will be very different to there's hundreds of churches. There's one just across the road, up on the hill, okay? God will have a calling on that church and a purpose for that church that would be different to this church. Is that one more right than that one? No, not necessarily at all. God uses all of it. God's got this amazing, this amazing conductor, isn't he, where he sort of brings everything together so cleverly and uses each of our lives, but also each of the churches in Uganda and the world to fulfill what he wants to fulfill um, in our time. Does that make sense? Yeah? I hope so. Thank you, Monica. It's good. You, you, I, I love it. I love it. Um, and I had some amazing life-changing slides, which I just have to post on the website or something. I think we might miss out this morning. Um, Einstein, he's not necessarily biblical, but I just love this quote. It says, the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. Let me say that again. The people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that do. So, here's the one thing I want to take away today. I want you guys to dream bigger than you ever dreamed in your life. I want you to brush off the disappointments of life, and I want you to walk away from today. If this is the only thing you walk away with, it's like, I know that with God, I can change the world. With God, I can change the world, because you truly can. And it's the ones who dream those dreams that truly go on and do change the world by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And I think for too long, the church has so often just gone into survival mode. And with a pandemic on, it's even accelerated. It's just survival season. Let's just try and hold the church together and not lose too many people. Let's just try and survive finance. Let's just keep our faith when things are so difficult. Okay, but God is challenging us to dream big and dream that we can truly change the world. Okay? okay? That's just one thing I want you to really, really take away. Now, um, Beth and maybe Savannah can help out. We've got a few, we've got a word search for the kids. Okay, so there's some words that I'd love you guys to, um, to uh, see if you can find them. Okay, they're, they're listed on the side there. Okay, I'm going to talk about them through the talk. Okay? But you're welcome to just focus on that word search, okay? At the end, place your name, names on it, give it to me, okay? And whoever gets it all correct, okay, next week I'm gonna bring you some chocolate. How awesome is that? I don't know how bad it's about it. It's not for your mum, Jonathan, it's not for your mum. The chocolate's not for her, it's gonna be for you. Okay, but you can ask your mum to help you find them if you get stuck, 
Okay, that you're more than welcome. Um, so, why go to change? I had this. No, not not working. Not not going to work. The slideshow, is it? No, I found it. Okay, no worries. Um, so, before I talk about change and strategy and the rest of it, I have this amazing slide that shows you where you might fit on that graph of change. So for some people, when we talk about change, they're really excited. I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm a bit guilty of this, you know. Yes, let's change it. Beth goes, we don't need to change it, but I want to change it anyway. Let's just change. Okay, I love change, I love new things. Let's not keep it boring and old, okay? Um, so some of you might be like, oh, I'm really excited. It's about time KRC Lavo got themselves sorted out and organized, and it's about time they had a strategy and a vision. And I'm looking forward to some change. In fact, I'm so excited I'm in this new building. This is fresh. This is new. This is exciting. I hope the chairs are a different formation next week because I'd like to have some more change next week. Okay? Other of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm so in shock and horror. Why are we not at Mild May? I wish we were at Mild May. The chairs are slightly different to last week. There's a few different faces compared to last week. I hope Rory doesn't talk about too much change. I don't want to change. I don't like change. I like to just know what's happening and I want to do the same today tomorrow and forevermore. Okay? I'm not saying either person is better than the other person, okay? But I want you to recognize when change comes, if you've ever done any business studies um, that in change, okay, um, we all react differently when we talk about it. And at first, some of you are like, oh, I just don't want to change, but gradually in time, you do change. Okay, for others, your head goes in the sand. For others, you just run with it. You're like, yes, this is not even happening fast enough. I want more change to happen. And it's sort of this excitement, and then it's this sort of denial, and then it's sort of the reality of the journey. And on that journey, some of you might go, okay, well, I'm really excited for you, Karis and Abba, but that's just not the type of church I feel called to be part of. And I'm going to go and find another church. Now, you're totally free to do that, okay? And I'm ho I hope no one ever does, but you are loved, and when you're here this morning, I, my prayer is that you do find something as we unpack it. I think I'm excited about that, okay? But if there's nothing in there at all, and you just feel, gosh, I've just realized it's not quite the church for me, okay? I, I, I'd like to have a different expression of faith. That's fine as well, okay? So I think just as we go through it, just ask us, go, how can I be part of this? Where can I fit in with this? Are you calling me into KIC the Bar for the next couple of years? Is this the journey I want to be on with? The church. I hope that makes sense. Right, I'm sorry that I didn't have that slide uh, to show you. Okay. Um, I'm just going to change my talk slightly because I haven't, I can't give you some of these visuals. Just to give you a few quick things so you understand what we did as we went through the process of this. Um, we, uh, first of all, looked at the history of the church. Okay. And as we went through the history, we, we, we looked back and reflected on 2012 and March when it met in more in Jerry's house with a few core leaders, where later that year in August, I believe, they moved into Mild May. Um, we reflected on the people that have been involved in leading the church, the, the, the fathers and mothers, those who've had influence over the church. We looked at some of the prophetic promises of the church and what God's calling the church into. Um, and then we also looked at various things like uh, what's the strengths? What's the cultural strengths? What's, what's KIC Lebeau known for? Um, and we also looked at some of the weaknesses and thought, what are we not doing so well at? Why are we not doing well at that? What can we do about that? Okay? And we're trying to think of, as we sort of unpack the cultures and goals, we're like, okay, let's make sure we build on the strengths, address the weaknesses, and have some real focus about where we are going to go as a church. 
Now, let me just rewind slide back to vision. I just want to share a few examples. I have some amazing pictures, which you can enjoy online. <laughs> um, just about a few people that have had a vision and impacted the world, just to inspire you, okay? So in 1774, there was a leader named John Adams. Does anyone know who John Adams was? Apart from Beth. John Adams? Yes, I have an American. Abby, go for it. Who was John Adams, Abby? You have to shout. Yeah, I think he was one. He possibly was later, yeah. He was the first one who stood up and declared something in America. Okay, yeah, yeah, he was president later on. Yeah, so he was, so John Adams in 1774 boldly stood up and said, I see a union of 13 states, a new nation independent from Parliament and the King of England. He was the first to express that idea publicly, and just a few years later, against all the odds, the United States of America was born. What an amazing vision. That was, it's very hard to describe to you how impossible that looked when that man stood up and had the vision that in reality brought the United States into being. Fifteen years later, in the United Kingdom, someone called William Wilberforce. Who was William Wilberforce? What's he famous for? Warrior. Yes, yes. He was, he was the key catalyst behind abolition of slavery, okay? So he stood before the part British Parliament and lobbied for a day when slaves would no longer be bought and sold like farm animals. It took decades to get it done, but eventually the slave trade was officially abolished all across the United Kingdom. And because the British Empire was so influential, literally across most of the known world at the time. In the late 1800s, the Wright brothers, who were the Wright brothers? They're like a quiz more, isn't it? Who were the Wright brothers? Anyone? Sorry, Monica? Aeroplanes. Yeah, sorry, you get 50% on that answer. Um, any, <laughs> any expansion? More than, what are they famous for? Sorry? Jonathan? Yes! Brilliant! You get an extra chocolate. Well done. Fantastic. Okay. The brothers uh, had a dream. Have I got a great. Oh. No, sorry, I was, I was hoping. Uh, of the aeroplane flying team. Okay. So they had a dream of uh, making a plane fly, which is just amazing. Yeah? And they were the first ones successful. And they had to go through failure and everything else, but they were incredibly successful and, as we know, had, had a huge impact on the world. Um, then Billy Graham. Who was Billy Graham? Does anyone know Billy Graham? Trina, you must, oh, don't, yes, who's Billy Graham? Yes, what was he famous for? Yes, revivals, yeah, lots of revivals all over the world. And it says this, Billy Graham in the 1940s and a few college buddies gathered together and dreamed of filling stadiums all over the world, presenting the gospel to people who were far from God. As at the time of this quote, he'd led 215 million people to Christ. Isn't that amazing? You stand at university in your dormitory, I'm going to change the world, and he goes on, and 215 million people come to Christ. That's exciting. I don't know about you. I, I can't tell behind the mask. I know you're really excited, I can just tell. Okay. Right. All right. So, what about bringing it back into the KIC? The bird. 
Um, one of the first things that we really looked at was what's, what's the mission statement for our church? You know, where are we going? What's the mission statement for KIC? But in particular for us as one of the three churches, we have Bugalobi, okay, we have Heritage, and we have Lebeau. What do we feel God's calling us to in particular? And after much prayer, debate, passionate debate, we summed it up to the following, okay? We are, ex- it starts like this, accepted and transformed to bring God's kingdom into our world. Let me say that again. Accepted and transformed to bring God's kingdom into our world. Now, there's some really key words there, and we'll unpack those more in the coming weeks. But I think two, two key parts really was accepted and transformed. What we love about our church, reflecting on it, is that everyone's so different. Look around the room, look at the person. Do they look anything like me? Yeah, everyone's completely unique. And what, what we all love about the church and what we shared of our own journeys of arriving at the church was that you just feel loved and accepted from the day you walk in. And it doesn't matter who you are. And I love the fact that we're a mixture from different colours, different parts of Uganda. We're tall, we're short. Okay? We're incredibly muscular like me. No, no, maybe not. <laughs> but we're all so different, aren't we? And I think the fact that we're accepted is just such a big, big word. Yeah? So we wanted to embed that in our mission statement. As well as that, we're transformed. And what just sharing the stories and hearing from Maureen and Jerry about the people that have gone on to other parts of the world and other parts of Uganda, how they came in like this and they went out like that and they were transformed in the process and they're having incredible influence all over the place. So a place where people come in and they're raised up as leaders, raised up as influencers, and transform the places that they go to. So accepted and transformed, okay? And then bringing God's kingdom. And we're passionate about the kingdom. And there's not enough time this morning. The kingdom's such a big topic. Um, it takes so long to unpack it. But ultimately, the kingdom of God, I think it's summarized like the Father's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So wherever we go to see things like heaven will be, we battle to bring the kingdom. Yeah, so where there is suffering, we bring peace and hope. Yeah, where there's loss, we bring restoration. Yeah, where there's illness, we pray for healing. And we've seen some amazing miracles over the last few years. All right? but, it's, but it's more than that. Yeah, it's about relationship, restoration, hope, future. Okay? So bringing the kingdom of God. So, and as well as that, we wanted it to be really memorable and really short. Okay? Accepted and transformed to bring God's kingdom into the world. Okay, so I hope that resonates with you. You're welcome to get it tattooed on your arm if you'd like to. Okay, if you want to take it that far. <laughs> um, but it's something that we want you to remember and just to know, okay, this is what we're about. Okay, and we'll unpack it more in the weeks ahead. Right, next, um, I just really want to focus on two topics this morning. And one is the culture, the overview, and the other one are the goals. And what we're going to do in the weeks after today is that we're going to take each one of these and we're going to unpack it. And we've got lots of great people coming up to share on each of the topics. From Moira, to Patrick, to Beth, to Alistair, to, I, I can't name all of them, but they're, they're all lined up, okay? And they're going to take a topic each and just unpack it for us as a church. Okay, so first of all, culture. Why are we defining our culture in a sense, what our values are? Well, an old mentor of mine said this to me once. He said, Rory, I want you to know this. There's one thing. I want you to know that culture 
eats strategy for breakfast. Let me say that again. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So though we're strategizing all these various things, okay, and although we have a goal that we're here right now as a church, and in two years' time we want to make sure that we're here, if that journey is a very painful journey, okay, where we don't enjoy each other's company, and the culture is all about performance, and getting there, no matter what, no matter if we break relationships, we're going to drag each other across the finish line, and in two years' time, yes, we've achieved all the goals! We've offended the entire church in the process, and we've had all these various problems, okay? And so, I think for me, culture is just so critical, and it's probably the most important part of this entire thing that we're unpacking. Because if you walk into this church, and the culture of this church is able to live out even 20% of what we're about to unpack in the coming weeks, this would be a great church to be in. Okay? And we already have a culture. You just do. We have a culture already of this church. We have a culture. You have a culture in your home environment. You have a culture you grew up in. You had a culture in the school that you went to. You had a culture in the university if you went to university. You had a culture in the workplace you went to. There's a culture in Uganda as a country. Okay? There's a culture within the nationality of various people. In fact, that reminds me of a very good joke. Not on my notes, but I'll just share it. My joke's terrible, so bear with me. Okay? Um, heaven is like this. Heaven is where the Italians, their culture, they're in charge of love. Okay? Heaven is where the Germans are in charge of the organisation. Okay? Heaven is where the British are in charge of the lining up in queues and things like that. Alright? Now, hell, okay? Hell is where the French are in charge of the organisation. Okay? And you get the joke. I won't come back. I don't want to insult the nationalities. The reason I'm mentioning that joke in part is that there's a culture associated with each nationality, isn't there? Whether we like to say it or not, there is a general culture associated with each one. Okay? Now, Scripture is full of culture, right from the word go, from Genesis to the very beginning, where God speaks to Adam and Eve. Okay? And he, and he, he says to them, go out and subdue the earth. Okay? Change the environment that you're walking into. Bring it under cultivation. Okay? Bring it under control. Make it flourish. Throw crops. Do all these various things. Right through, going into Moses, where he has like the Ten Commandments. This is how I want my people to live. This is the culture of Israel and how the nation should live out their community life. Right through to Jesus, who continuously spoke into culture. Okay, and even right through to Paul and all the various letters and the way that he spoke to the churches, continuously calling out cultural statements. And we want to define culture because if we don't define culture, it's going to define us. It's going to happen anyway. And I'd rather us be intentional about what we're fighting for and to really fight for it. All right, now the word culture comes from the Latin word to guard to put an edge around something. Let me say that again. The word culture comes from the Latin word to guard, okay? And we'll put the edge around something. And this is where we get the word cultivate from. Now, I did have a, another nice picture for you, which, sorry, um, of a, a field, okay? A set of fields from a satellite picture, and it shows the different fields. And in essence, what, what, that, what that's saying is each of those fields, if you're farming, you never believed my dad was a farmer for 40 years, but if you're farming, my basic understanding, and Jerry can correct me afterwards, is that you want to protect what's in that field, okay? So if, 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 if seeds are coming over through the wind and the rest of sort of, and weeds and the rest, you don't want that to be happening. You want to guard the, what you're cultivating within that particular field. Um, 
But you have to battle for it. So what we have to do is we unpack the cultures. We say, right, when we don't see this culture being expressed. So for example, I might preach one Sunday and not be very honouring. Honour is one of our cultures. If I'm not very honouring, you might, I challenge you to come up to me after and say, Rory, I love, you know, well, I didn't love you preach, I didn't like you preach, or whatever you want to say. That bit there that you spoke about, about, about your wife or something, wasn't very honouring. Okay, so we have to, we're going to have to challenge each other in love to start fighting for the culture that we're running after. Does that make sense, yeah? So we're going to protect and cultivate culture within our church and then within your homes. And I'd encourage you to even have this, we'll try and work out how to do fridge magnets or something. You can have it up on your fridge uh, where you can just talk about it and bring it into your family life. All right? So what are they? Here we go. Let's unpack them very quickly. And I'm going to be very brief on each of these because they're going to be um, preached on in the coming weeks. Okay, so the first one, well, no particular order. One of our cultures that we're going to be fighting for is family. Okay, we are a family. What I love about family is you don't choose your family in one sense. We're all different sorts of people. Okay, it's not we like we 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 create this specific team. Okay, we're a family. Uh, we're, we're a family that loves each other, that encourages each, encourages each other. When we're successful, we celebrate that. When we're in difficulty, we get around those people. Okay, we rally around them. We are family. So that's going to be unpacked much more in the next few weeks. We're also a church of worship. Okay, so we're a church. I think one of the things we love about KIC the Bow, and you can think about this morning when we finally, you know, we've got sound coming out. We've got these great worship uh, leaders, and we've got many others in the church. Worship is great at KIC the Bow, isn't it? I love it. It's it's, it's exciting. It's passionate. Um, God does so much through worship. And we were born to worship God. You're going to be worshiping for the rest of your life, all eternity. Okay? So you may as well practice now and get into it. <laughs> okay? So we're a church of worship. Um, we're an authentic church. And this is really critical. And we're unpacking this in quite a bit of detail. We're a church where we want to be real. So when you walk in and someone says, how are you doing? Okay? If you've had an awful week, we don't want you to go, oh, I'm doing great. Everything's fine. Yeah? Because I'm a Christian and everyone should be fine all the time. Okay? No, if you've had a tough, tough morning, okay, you can be quite real with the person you're talking to. But more than that, you want to make sure you take, don't take the masks off, but in essence, you take your masks off so we see who's behind the mask. Now, that's a vulnerable thing to do, isn't it? Because the danger there is the fear of man and woman is I'm going to be rejected. If you really knew me, Roy, if you really knew how horrible I was last week, you won't like me. Okay, you will reject me, I'll be banned from the church. That's not true. Okay? We might challenge the behaviour, but we'll always love you. Yeah, so we want to make sure that we unpack down that, that we build this culture where you can come and get to know people, but to be known. And I promise you, this is a rare thing in churches. Okay? I've been involved in ministry for a quarter of a century. Very few churches I've been part of where people are very authentic. Okay? And you're going to have to get into deep relationships and friendships to do that. All right? But we want to do that. I don't want to say, that, oh my gosh, they're going to find out about all the bad things I've done. Oh no. And I'm going to be rejected and shamed. No, never. Never, ever, ever. But you cannot grow if you're not authentic with who you are and where you are right now. Okay? And we've all made failures. Yeah? We've, all, we've all done awful things in the past. Or maybe it's just me. But I've, we, we, we have. And just one last thing on this, because I, I'm just so passionate about it. And one of the churches in we used to get one guy who's quite a senior leader in the church now. And he used to be a male prostitute on the streets of London. Let me say that again. 
used to be a male, uh, so by male, I mean, it used to be a, that's not right, a gay male prostitute on the streets of London. And you think, how would that person ever be loved in a church and accepted and transformed? Okay. Now, what was so amazing was that not only the testimony of how he went on and got free of that and drugs and all these things, how God restored him, but how he was then accepted and loved in the church, how he then got married and had children, and how he became an influence of the church. And it was so good because he would, would get like, guys together and girls separately and we would get them to share. And once he shared that testimony, it makes us think, oh my gosh, I thought what I did was really bad. I thought my life and my decisions were so poor. But if they love him, <laughs> and he used to be a male prostitute on the streets of London, they can surely love me and they won't reject me. Yeah? So there might be, I imagine, in fact I know, there'll be secrets that you have that you have never shared in your life. And my prayer is over the next couple of years, you'll find opportunities in small group, one-on-one situations and friendships and relationships to share those things and finally get free from them. That is a dream that I have. Okay, so just a really important one. Okay, we'll speed up a bit. Sorry, passionate about that one. Discipleship. You know Chaos of the Bow's famous for discipleship. Monica is a legend of legends, along with many others, that lead a discipleship program. People get discipled and grow and mature in their faith so much. We thought this is a value we have in our church and something we want to build on. Okay? So we're a church where discipleship basically, basically means you're a learner. We remain learners for the rest of our lives. We can always learn. Okay? But that's something that we want to uh, develop, and Monica will be preaching on that one. Honor. Honor. Um, we want you to feel that you're honored and valued in the sense of your identity as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Okay? You're simply, you have intrinsic value, not from your performance of life, but you are valuable. Right now, God will say to you in your seat, you are incredibly valuable. So much so that God would send his own son to die for you and give his life to you. That's how valuable you are. You, and so walk out of it today and say, I am the son and daughter of the king and I have value. And if you can get that in here, it changes everything. The way you do life, the way that you do leadership, the way you do family, parenting, sonship, daughtership, whatever it is, the workplace, if you can just operate from complete value, you won't have to perform to try and get your value, okay? Um, so, you have value and you are honoured, and we will be a church of honour, okay? So, family, discipleship, worship, authenticity, and honour. Goals, and I'm going to speed up now, because I'm conscious time is running. Very quickly, we, we are going to have goals. Why are we going to have goals? Well, someone from the Perian Hill once said this, he said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. A goal is a dream with a deadline, okay? So, we have really prayed and thought through what goals we're like as a church. We'll unpack those in the months ahead, so I'll be very quick. But the five of them are this, very quickly. Okay, one is that... Let me just fire this up. Okay. We are dreaming that in two years' time, we will have 200 committed people part of KIC the Okay? 200. Now, by that, we mean adults. Okay? So not including children, but 200 committed people. By committed, we basically mean that you're doing at least two of the following three things. Either you're part of a small group, you're serving in some way in the church, putting out chairs or offerings or worship or whatever it is, okay? And the other one is that you're tithing into the local church. We don't need your money, we don't want to, to be honest, we don't, we're blessed in the cost of this place. We really don't, but just the, the sheer joy and God's favor as we give our first fruits to him is a big part of that, okay? So we would challenge you to think of at least two, ideally three, but 
That, we're going to try and measure that loosely. Okay, at the moment, we're around about 60, we would say. Very hard to read during the pandemic. Numbers fluctuate a lot. Okay, so that's quite a bit of growth, but we really have faith for that. 200 committed people. Okay, next one. Um, testimonies. We are believing for 100 testimonies over the next two years. These are not just necessarily miracles. We've seen some incredible miracles. It's not that, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's like restoration of families. It's, it's God making a way, maybe, for you to, to, to travel to the other side of the world and study in some university you dreamed of. And God, only God can make it happen. Okay? Um, so we're, we're believing for 100 testimonies. We're trying to work out how many we've had in the last couple of years. We just haven't been tracking around. We've had a number of them. Okay? So we just felt around 100 for the moment. Okay? Um, another one is small groups and missional communities. So presently we have around nine of these. We are dreaming for 20 in the next couple of years. And this is a really exciting one, because this is more than just small groups where you meet in your family and have nice food, okay, um, your friends, but you, you are passionate about something and you take it out into Laboa and beyond. So you might be, look, um, I've had people come to me and say, well, I'm just really passionate about coffee. I love coffee. <laughs> I just want to have coffee every day. Why don't you go and hang out at Caramel or somewhere and have a missional community around that? Okay, and what's the difference? Really, what that is, is it's a place where um, you gather not just your Christian friends, but a chance, an environment where non-Christian friends can come and hang out with you. You're not opening your Bible in the middle of Caramel, necessarily, okay? but you're just sharing life. And I don't know about you, but I've found over the last 25 years that my non-Christian friends are fascinated about my friends in my life. They see something different. They see that the way you do marriage and life and friendship and the way you work is very different to the way that they do it. They see the way that you don't take offence and you work through it. They see the way you just love people and they are drawn to it. And these missional communities will gather in people with a similar passion. Maybe it's cycling, maybe it's walking, maybe it's weaving, maybe it's sewing, maybe it's... I don't know. There's a billion different ways. Maybe you're passionate about the local police force and you want to support them in some way. Okay? Just start dreaming about what it might be. Okay, and we'll unpack that more. But this is where it gets really exciting. And as well as missional communities, we will keep the small groups going at the same time. Okay, so don't feel um, that you're going to have to be out on the streets and, oh, it's so scary. I don't want to be an evangelist. Okay. Uh, right, almost there, guys. Uh, next one, leaders. At present, we have around 30 leaders. By that, I mean leaders that lead worship, uh, that lead service teams on a Sunday, that lead small groups, all these various bits and pieces. Okay, we're dreaming. Um, that we're going to have up to 50 leaders in the next couple of years, okay, because we're going to need them. Leadership is often the biggest thing that holds church growth back. And you might say, I'm not a leader, Rory, I never want to be a leader. You lead your own life, I hope, well, you do. So you are a leader in its essence, all right, but we'll unpack that more as well. And then finally, we are believing that God will resource us 100% for everything he's calling us into. He's always been so faithful to us financially, um, and we just, as we dream bigger, we just trust that God will provide what we will need. And I'm praying that the dreams are so big that when I sit down with, with everyone else in the leadership team, I go, oh my gosh, how are we going to fund that idea? <laughs> and we're going to have to trust it off with But God does amazing things. Alright, so that's a quick sweep through. I'm so sorry the slides weren't there for visual learners. That would have been a very painful preach for you, okay? But for audio learners, I hope that was okay. Uh, let's have a quick stand, and I just want to just pray for us as we finish.
Father, I just really thank you for everyone that's here this morning. And we just uh, thank you for our church, Karis and Lebert. Thank you for the many people that um, aren't here as well, that are at home, those that uh, aren't quite yet comfortable being. We totally respect that and honour that, Father. And we pray that you'd be with them as well uh, as, they, as they meet together as a group and their families. Father God, we thank you for the, just the joy of walking this great journey with you, this journey of life. We thank you um, just for all that you shared uh, with us over the last couple of years and, and where you, we feel that you're calling to, uh, us to as a church. God, and we lay it down to you, Father God. We're, we're not set in stone about the direction that things have to go, Father God, but we just pray by your incredible grace that you'll breathe life on these cultures and these goals and this mission that we have as a church, Father God. And also, we, we want to, to honour you. We want to, uh, people to come to know you, whether through missional communities. We want people to grow in here. We want people that are hurting right now to be set free. Father God, we want your Holy Spirit to just breathe through each of our lives. We want to look back over our shoulders in the years to come and think, those are some of the most incredible years of my life so far. And that's the foundation, that's the floor I'm going to build my life on as I go on to the next thing. Father God, so I thank you for every soul that is in this room right now. Lord God, and I pray, just even speak to us as we walk out in the weeks and the months ahead as we unpack this, this way forward, Father God, that we get excited. We think, how can I get involved in this? Lord God, let it bring joy and passion, Father, and let your kingdom grow by your incredible grace. And Father, just put your warriors around us, what's over us, what's over our feet, where we walk, what we do, Father God, and we just love you, we honour you, and we praise you. And we thank you so much for this church that we're part of, in your precious name. Amen. Okay.